0: Let us pray. Prepare our hearts, O God, to hear your word, to obey your will. You are our guide. Set your path clearly before us and lead us to follow you willingly. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So I have to start by just saying, I'm, I'm wearing my green. Isn't it lovely? Made by Kathy. It was fabulous. I love it. It's so much fun. This is my first time getting to preach since I was commissioned. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going all out. I'm wearing the green. I'm not wearing the robes, but I'm wearing the green. So I might wear it more often. It's kind of fun. It makes me really happy to see all the fabulous stuff that Kathy put on here. So it just makes me smile. Okay, moving on. Sorry. Our scripture verses today can be found in Matthew 4. We're going to read a short version of this, just verses 18 through 22, and it's in the NRSV version, which can be found in your pew Bibles, or you can read it up here on our fabulous screens. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. I know you guys have heard this scripture verse many, many, many times, but there's so much good stuff in this. So we're going to revisit it again. You know, much like the shepherds that heard the news from the angels about the good news, these are more ordinary people, right? Just fishermen, neither rich nor poor, just ordinary people hanging out in their boat on the beautiful Sea of Galilee. Oh. I can't imagine. It must be beautiful. I've heard it's about somewhere between the size of like Lake Apopka and Lake George here in Florida. It's in between that size, but it is like nearly 700 feet below the, the below sea level. So it's like really, really low down there. But a good size, and it's a freshwater lake. Not really a sea at all. It's not saltwater. It's a freshwater lake. Anyway, these people have received an invitation of sorts. The shepherds were invited to go and see the baby. The fishermen were invited to come and follow Jesus. I use the word invitation here because it's not like anybody was being forced to do anything. They were invited. They were asked. They weren't told, you must do this now. This was a, hey, come do this. Come on, you got this. Or go, go do this. The shepherds still had to decide to leave the field and the fishermen had to decide to leave their boats, their nets, in one case, their father, and to follow. But what is it? Why do we keep seeing these ordinary people show up in the Bible? Jesus could have chosen people with more influence, but instead he calls these guys. Now, while they were ordinary people, this was not likely the first time that they had actually met or seen Jesus. Now, stick with me for just a minute, because this might get a little messy. I tried to put a little thing up here on the the screen, but it's, you know, there's a lot going on here, guys. You see, it's mentioned in the Gospel of John that Andrew was one of John the Baptist's disciples, And that Andrew brought his brother Simon to go meet Jesus, which is when Jesus changed his name to Cephas, which means rock. Our version of that is Peter. That's why we call him Simon Peter. So, okay, they've already met him. Good. We know this. We also believe that Andrew and Simon Peter were already following Jesus prior to him calling them because in the Gospel of John, it says they were following him before John the Baptist was arrested. And if you read just a few verses before what we did today, that's when the arrest happened. So this happened after the arrest that they were called. So, okay, we got a lot going on here. By reading the Gospels, we can fill in these gaps, reading everything. Reading one thing alone, it's great, but we start filling in these gaps. And we realize that these men were already technically disciples of Jesus. Jesus. Now they're just being called into a deeper discipleship. As for John and James, they were business partners with Andrew and Peter. They already knew them. Well, you know, if you're a business partner with somebody, you've probably told them a little bit about somebody really important in your life. So likely they heard that way. But that's not it. That's not all. There's more. James and John's father was Zebedee. It is almost certain, not 100%, We weren't there, but it is almost certain that Zebedee's wife, or the mother of James and John, is Salome. Salome was Mary's sister, Jesus' mother, Mary. So not only are they business partners, now they're actually cousins of Jesus, Oh, my goodness, this gets a little messed up, doesn't it? There's so much going on here, things that maybe we didn't know until you start digging deeper. And trust me, there are a lot of rabbit holes to go down when you start preparing these types of things and find out what's going on. So you have this huge connection just to show you that this wasn't the first time. It's not like Jesus went just on the street and said, yep, you go, let's go. He knew them. (gasps) Relationships. Ooh, that's important. we got to do relationships. But Why? these men? What qualities or gifts would these people possess that would benefit the kingdom of God? First off, we need to remember that Jesus can do all things with all people, right? He's got the power. He can do anything, even ordinary people like them, like us. They don't need to be perfect, They just need to be fully committed to him and perfectly devoted to him, but not perfect in their lives. Jesus meets them. Jesus meets us where we are. He works with them. He trains them. He empowers them to serve God and his kingdom. Jesus tells the men, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. It's also likely that as fishermen, they probably had some qualities, some characteristics that helped them to fish, which would also help them fish for people. And I've seen some of those characteristics here in y'all. These are great qualities, great things. So let's explore those and see if maybe you identify with some of these things. The first is patience. Fishermen need to be patient. If you've ever gone fishing, you don't just cast out either the pole or or the net or anything, and then boop, there they are. You have to wait. You have to be patient. You cannot rush the process. You can't rush the process with people either. You have to be patient. You might cast your net. It might bring some people in. It might not. You just have to wait. Results aren't going to happen quickly. It may need multiple times of you speaking to somebody before they come and join you and listen and hear and accept the good news. But it doesn't mean inaction. See, they still had to cast the rod. They still had to cast the nets. They had to do something. We still have to go out and do it too. Then we just have to wait. Next is perseverance. While displaying patience... The fishermen also need to persevere and not give up or get discouraged. Don't we have to do that too when fishing for people? We can't give up. So we're waiting. It's all good. But guess what? Sometimes we don't see anything happening. We don't see a change. We don't see a transformation. And we have to keep working. We have to keep trying. You can't just give up. You're going to need to cast that net a few times. Wait. Persevere. And hey, you know what, they might even be swimming in the wrong direction completely. Perseverance. That's what keeps you going. Next up is courage. This one can be kind of tough. Fishermen know that there are risks when they go out and they're on the sea. Have you guys ever watched the show "The Deadliest Catch?" Anybody seen that? Ignore the language. It's not necessarily the most wholesome show to watch. Okay, but it's a documentary that follows these guys that are out in the Bering Sea and they're fishing—not fishing. They're casting out their um, their crates for Alaska king crab. So these guys are out there, freezing temperatures, not warm and sunny like Florida. And then the the crates that they bring in—they're so heavy that they can actually crush you. So you've got these big waves, you've got all this stuff going on, big things. You could die out there. Now, fishing for people can be dangerous too. No, you're not gonna hit 40 foot waves, likely, but you're putting yourself out there, right? You're talking to somebody, you're making yourself vulnerable. Especially if you're doing it when you're online on social media, everybody can see it and everybody can go back and look and see what you said. So you're making yourself vulnerable, which can feel really scary sometimes. And that's why I say you have to have courage. You have to be willing to just step out and do that. And it's tough. It's very tough. Some people are going to like what's being said, and they're going to listen to you. Some, eh, not so much. Some might even be hateful. you got to have that courage. And that's where our next quality comes into play. Wait for it? No, really, it's called wait for it. Ha, 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 ha. See, I got to get you guys somehow. Fishermen need to know when to cast the net and when to wait. You can't just always go out and do it everything, right? They got to know when to do that. We have to know when to speak and when to be silent. There are times when the truth will be welcomed and well-received. There's times when the truth will harden somebody even more to hearing that truth. We have to recognize that. We need to realize that their timing is crucial and go back to that whole wait thing, right? We got to wait for it. Wait for the right time. Also important to use the right bait. A fisherman knows exactly the right bait to use to catch certain types of fish. We need to recognize that each individual is different. Each person we speak to is going to hear things in a different way. They're going to receive things in a different way. The message is still going to be the same, right? The good news doesn't change. It's still the truth. It's still there. But how we deliver it is going to be slightly different. We do this in our daily lives, right, in our relationships. When you talk to somebody, you speak to your husband, your wife, your kids, your whomever differently than you might speak to somebody else. You know, I, th- I think about when I'm teaching. So when I'm teaching and I'm with the little, little ones, I get down like this, as close to the ground, as close to their eye level as I can. Not because I need to be down next to them, but because I want them to hear what I have to say at their level. There's no reason to speak up and over someone, right? And that's the same thing here. We just need to listen to how they're receiving things and speak to people the way they want to be spoken to and how they need to be spoken to while still delivering the truth. That's super important. Finally, a good fisherman needs to know to lay low. They sit quietly, and they're often very careful not to be detected. They're motionless, just waiting for that fish to take the bite, to take the bait, to come on in and join them in their boat. They try to avoid detection. They try to avoid attention. So what does that have to do with us? What does that mean with fishing for people? I will say what it's not. This does not mean that you wait in publics behind the aisle for somebody to come around and then pounce on them. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. It just simply means we need to keep the focus off of ourselves. Everything we do, we're doing for God. The message is about Jesus. It's not about us. It's God's word. It's Jesus. Keep the attention off of you. Turn it back to where it belongs. These are all Excellent qualities when trying to catch fish and people. But why did Jesus need the disciples in the first place? Man, he could just perform miracles, bring them on in, just do it that way, right? Be super simple. He knew what to do. But he knew what was to come. He knew why he needed others to join in. Maybe you've seen our banner That's over here on the side. It says reach and teach. This is a shortened version of our mission statement here at PCOL. And just below that, we have a verse from Matthew. Matthew 18, verses 16 through 20. This is uh, the Great Commission. And it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But they doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, He wasn't going to be walking the earth forever. He knew he needed others to share the word and spread the good news. Can you imagine if the angels never came down to the shepherds to tell them to go visit Jesus, to see him born in the manger? The shepherds spread the good news. They needed to see that and move. It's the same thing. We need disciples to spread the news of Jesus' death and resurrection, the good news. It started with Jesus choosing his disciples, and then he called the disciples to do the same thing. And he calls us to continue that. We get to continue being disciples and being called and sharing this good news with others. But it's not just about spreading the good news. It's not just going up to someone and say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Let me tell you. Hey, come with me to church. There's more. There's so much more to discipleship than just that. I've been um, reading a book recently, and it's called From Social Media to Social Ministry. It's not what it says. This is just a little social media type thing. Social Media to Social Ministry. It's by Nona Jones, and there's a section about the Great Commission that I read in there, and I kind of chuckled, and I thought you might... Too. It said when Jesus gave the disciples their last instructions before he ascended into heaven, he made the mission of the church quite clear. He said, now, therefore, stand and wait for people to come to your building on Sunday morning. Then give them a great sermon to hold them over until next Sunday. <laughs> That's not how it works. I am thrilled that you are here. I am thrilled that you are joining us online. But it's not just about Sundays. It's not just about coming to this building and hanging out here for an hour or so, maybe eating lunch. There's more. There's so much more. We would be doing you a disservice if that's all we told you to do. And we would not be fulfilling the mission that was set out before us. Disciple making is a process. It involves more than just sitting and listening. And we're going to go through more of that next week. All right, we'll talk more about discipleship. I'm keeping this short today because I know we've got lunch to go to and oh, that's okay, I'll make it longer next week, don't worry. But before we wrap up for today, this is a lot to take in. Think about where you are on your own discipleship journey. Where are you? You've accepted the invitation, right? You're here, you're listening. You're online, you're listening. You're you're listening to what's going on, but then what? What else have you done? Where else have you gone? And then what are we gonna do with all these people once we reel them in here? How do we help them? Because there's a lot to happen, right? You have obviously thought long and hard about where you are, and I'm going to challenge you next week what we can do next to do this, to continue to come and follow Jesus. How has your life been transformed? How is it continuing to transform? You may have heard that the discipleship journey doesn't end once you decide to follow, it's just the start of it, it's really just the beginning. There's more to come. And it can be a lot of work. There's a lot that goes into it. It's not an easy, push the easy button, you're done. Yay, I'm a disciple. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But man, is it glorious work? It's great stuff that we get to do because that's why we're here. That's our purpose. It's to glorify, to worship God, tell others about, bring them in, train them up, teach. Oh, maybe I'm saying too much. That's next week. Teach them teach them. We have to help them along their way. Amen? Amen. Okay, I told you, next week, next week, we've got more to go, and we're also going to be asking the question, are we a catch and release church? Oh, oh, what does that mean? Catch and release. We'll talk about that next week, so stay tuned. Come on back and join us.